Hi, this is Charlene Steen. I'm a retired criminal psychologist and author of five books on the subject, a very mediocre cellist, and a ventriloquist. And of course, best of all, I'm Judd's aunt. I got Judd busy learning how to throw his voice, so I'm introducing today's show. Peter Piper picked a peck of... Enough, Judd. We'll do it later. At any rate, this episode features the author, artist, and community leader Moira Johnston Block. She has way too many intriguing stories to be told in one show, but we'll hear about her investigative journalism, how she co-founded Friends of the Napa River, and how she discovered the love of her life while on assignment here in Napa. Before we get to it, you must plan to go visit Judd at Judd's Hill, his lovely winery at the south end of the Silverado Trail. And I say this not because he gives me free wine, but because it really is good. Visiting information can be found at juddshill.com and their fabulous hospitality team will give you the VIP. Treatment. While online, make sure to check out their wine paired recipes, poetry, quirky, and entertaining vis- videos. I can't talk either. While Charles online, like this. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe do it without losing your lips. Well, I can talk instead. Be quiet, Sybil. Anyway, while online, be sure to check out their wine-paired recipes, poetry, and quirky and entertainment, entertaining visit. I can't say those words. I can. Entertaining videos. Also, put some delicious wine into your shopping cart. As a special perk for you as a listener, type in coupon code JNVS. And on checkout, get 15% off your entire wine order. Wow! For an even better deal, join the Judd's Hill Wine Club. It's free to sign up, and you'll get all their wines, party invitations, discounts on lodging, and plenty of other fun perks. They do throw the best parties. Enjoy the show. Thank you, and I'm sorry I wrote such a hard-to-read script. Script? How do you say script like this? I don't know. Charlene can't say it either. Everyone's a Finkel friend on Judd's Napa Valley Show. Get ready for another heap full of fascinating things to know From witty and intriguing people on Judd's Napa Valley Show no stale script and no rehearsing, live from a Napa studio. You may be that intriguing person on Judd's Napa Valley Show. On Judd's Napa Valley Show. Judd's Napa, Judd's Napa Valley, Judd's Napa Valley Show. And now, live from the 1440 KVON studio in the beautiful Napa Valley, it's Judd's Napa Valley Show. I'm Lord Mole, and here's your host, Chad Fengelstein! Good morning, Mr. Lord Mole. Ah, and thank you, sir, for that. <laughs> oh, keep going, I love it. Thank you. you know, when you play a wrong chord, you gotta, you gotta make it sound like you did it on purpose. That's, That's right, and you're a master of that. <laughs> thank yes, you, Gordon. Yes. <laughs> Lauren, what's happening, man? Top of the day, Judge. Top of the day, what are you up to? Well, uh, I'm happy to say this, and I have a very special announcement to make. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Gordon. You have the special announcement music ready? Sure. Here it is. Okay, announcement is... Uh, In exactly, uh, uh, let's see, in exactly uh, two, no, no, four, no, that's it, five days from today. In exactly five days from today, I'll be participating in, uh, in the competition Special Needs Got Talent. And what does that mean? It sounds great. What is it? Uh, it's actually put on by uh, Friends of Children with Special Needs out in uh, Fremont. Okay. Yeah, it's like it's like almost going to be a local version of America's Got Talent. But I got some bad news, Judd. Oh, no. I don't want to hear that. Don't nobody bring me no bad news. I think the witch and the whiz says that, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so, so next issue. Now, okay, what is it, Lauren? You better uh, share it. Nick Cannon won't be there. Oh, Howard I'm sorry. Stern won't be there. Oh, my goodness. Heidi Klum won't be there. You know what? Mel B won't be there. Let me tell you something. Even Howie Mandel won't be there, Judd. Lauren, who cares? Because you're going to be there. I am. And you are the important person. You are the talent. What are you going to be doing? Are you going to be performing or emceeing? Uh, I'll be performing my song. I just haven't met you yet. Oh, perfect. That's good. That's one of your specialties. That's right. That's a Lauren Mole standard. Well, that's exciting. Is this something that people can come to and see, uh, tune uh, in via TV or the web? What's uh, the plug here? Unfortunately, this is not going to be televised. No, but people can come? Yes. Is there a website you'd like to give? Oh, there is. Yes, it's uh, fcsn.org. 
dot org, I think. I think okay. it's org. We'll give the name of the organization once again so people need to uh, get on the search engine they yes. can find that. Yes, uh, Friends of Children with Special Needs out in Fremont. Super. And also I'm gearing up for the Warriors game on, on March 4th, but I had to let, let Ira know. Ira, if you're listening, I actually will not be singing the, the Star Spangled Banner by myself at the Warriors game. I will actually be singing with the rest of the stars from Everybody is a Star. Oh, so it's going to be an ensemble. You guys will be singing the national anthem That's as an right. ensemble. That's exciting, man. How many times have you done that? Uh, only once. Okay, uh, okay. I, I take it back. How many times have you sung at a professional sporting event? Either Take Me Out to the Ball Game, Star Spangled Banner. How many times have you done this? Uh, well, we did Take Me Out to the Ball Game a couple of times uh, last, these last couple of years at the Giants game. And we only did the uh, Star Spangled Banner once at the Warriors game last year. Well, you're getting to be an old pro performing in front of thousands of screaming sports fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you don't even get nervous, do you? Oh, no. And the crowd no. loves me, Judd. <laughs> oh, ain't that the truth? <laughs> hey, now! <laughs> Lauren, man, you were born to do what you do. Yep. Yeah, indeed. So what, what's going on with you, Judd? Uh, anything new over at the uh, winery? Oh, well, thanks for asking. Let's see. Well, you know, it's been beautiful lately. I've been enjoying our tasting terrace there at Judd's Hill. Kind of sit outside and look at the vineyards and soak in the sun. Uh, but we have a party coming up Sunday. All right, on. This Sunday, February 8th. It is our annual uh, Valentine's party. It's a little pre-Valentine's this year. But it'll be tons of fun. It's from noon to 2.30 over at... Judd's Hill, conveniently located at the south end of Silverado Trail. And all are welcome. It's $45 to attend. If you are one of our Judd's Hill Wine Club members, it's free to attend. If you're not one of our members, I, I suggest you join. Always a good time, guaranteed. Free to join. Anyway, well, there's going to be wine, food, massages, you know, get in the mood for Valentine's Day. And not from me, don't worry. It'll be professional therapists there. And there'll be some fun surprises. Always a good time to be had at one of our parties. If anybody would like to come, email our wine club director, Cindy Friedman. She's at Cindy, C-I-N-D-Y, at judshill.com. Let her know you want to come. She'll bring you in. It'll be fun. Well, that's great, Judd. Lauren, yes? we have, we have, we have a guest. We have a guest musician. We have tons of good, great, fun, exciting things to do and talk about today. Oh, we do. Shall we introduce our guest of honor? Sure. Why not, Judd? All right. Thank you, sir. Our guest today is not just all talk. She makes things happen by walking the walk. Written books? Yes. Healed a river? Yes. She's Napa's preferred stock. Her secrets to being creative, we do hope to unlock. A prodigious author, artist, and activist, what's next? An album of punk rock? <laughs> Let's find out as we welcome Moira Johnston Block. Uh, Moira Block, how are you? Oh, wait, wait a minute. Oh, what's wait a minute. Hold on, Judd. Oh, yes? We got one more. Oh. Also, here is Gordon Lustin, Napa Valley's Johann Sebastian Bach. <laughs> there you go, Gordon Lustig, our wow. musical hey, director. Hey, Gordon. Here hey, too. Moira. How are you? You got a rhyming that intro, too. fine. But I know what's going to happen here through this interview. I'm going to be sitting here laughing at you guys. Well, this there you go. Wonderful. That's okay, isn't it? And, Lauren, I just have to say, really, I've never met you before, and it's great. What a lead into this period of time we're going to share before. Why, thank you, Myra. <laughs> he gives Wonderful. this, he gives this, <laughs> this whole shebang an air of professionalism. Is it always this much fun? And I've only I, been in it for two minutes. I think so. I hope you'll enjoy the rest of it. You know, Gordon wrote the theme song and performed it live. Thank you, Gordon. Good and heavens. in it, you say, you may be that intriguing person who's coming on Judd's Napa Valley show. And I don't know that I've said this to anybody before, but Moira, it's official. You are in the latest Napa Valley Life magazine as an official intriguing person of Napa Valley. <laughs> and here we, we, we've delivered on your promise, Gordon. We have an intriguing person here. Believe it or not, I didn't have to bribe anybody for that. You didn't. No, I was so surprised. Well, fake I'm not surprised you because you fake are Fake it until you make it, you know. What's that, fake it until you, you make you, it? You, if you put it out there, it, it happens. Here you are. Here I am surrounded by these three wonderful men in this. <laughs> no, nothing more comfortable in the world for me than a little recording studio and a radio Anywhere in the world. Well, you do I have a little background. Yeah. Radio well, was where it all began for me and for a lot of people. Well, let's talk about this because you are an author. You are a journalist. You an artist. You the founder of Friends of the Napa River. I mean, I want to talk about all this stuff. But let's, let's go back. How did you become such an accomplished, media-savvy, cool person? Was it in radio? You just mentioned that was well, part of your I background. Think it, I think it started, frankly, with my mother, 
who, um, among, uh, in addition to raising five children in the Fraser Valley of British Columbia, up in Vancouver, she would take a tram in. She became, she was a writer. She was born a writer. Uh-huh. And she would take a, a tram in, which is about a two-hour trip from our little country town in the Fraser Valley into Vancouver. And she wrote and recorded just as we're talking now in a microphone, she did hundreds and hundreds of Trans Canada. Ma- the program was called Trans Canada Matinee, oh, and wow. it was indeed that. It was a great variety of things. And Mom just she was born to do this kind of thing. But she did not only these talk scripts that went all across the country. And we would always hate those days because. We would be at school, and she also did school broadcasts, educational. Oh. And the day we would know that Mother's next script was going to come up and one of her school broadcasts would be on, we would all pretend to be sick because nothing was more embarrassing in a little two-room schoolhouse in the country up in British Columbia oh. than to have your mother's name go on the radio. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so I've overcome a lot to be sitting here today so Good. happily. And because I discovered, so. And I was 18 when I started doing it, too, and I just picked up a paper and started scribbling stuff down and before I knew it in Vancouver on the same very the same studios that mother had gone to I was doing not a lot but quite a few a little for example the first series was tell us about being 18 well I was so wise at 18 but you're <laughs> Aren't we stuck. all yeah. that's the question they throw to you and what do you say so it started there doing that and then when I lived in New York I also had the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation kept calling me and the exciting part of that was to do talk scripts of 15 minutes they were in the United Nations building And for this little gal from Fraser Valley to go into that vast building and see the robes and the headdresses and the briefcases and the intensity yeah. of the being in the in the recording room, one of the many, in the United Nations building was absolutely thrilling. It must have been and, very inspiring. And they went, the airwaves went flying north to my homeland of Canada. Uh-huh. And these again would be broadcast on Trans-Canada matinee across sure. the nation. So it was small stuff. They didn't pay you very much in those days. But uh, Mother and I both kind of, we loved radio and she grew me up to be very familiar with it and to love it. And then she got into writing. And yeah, she was a creative person as well. She correct? was born a writer, ah. born a writer. She wrote 20 books. No I have a mere 20. seven, so I have a long way to go to catch up to Mummy. <laughs> and hers were well, geared hers, toward a younger audience, correct? She, they were. They were the what they call the young adult, and that's the 12 to 15 something. And she twice won Canada's... I, I'm so proud of her. She's hmm. been dead for many years. She won twice the the greatest prize Canada can give to its authors. And wow. several of us flew back. What is the name the of this prize? Well, it, it's you the, have to educate it, us it's Americans. The, it's the Order of Canada. It's like Ooh. being knighted. Wow. And this was my mummy. And only two of us, because we were, we were five children grown up, scattered around. And only the eldest brother and myself could make our way back to Ottawa to, to witness this. And it's thrilling when you see your mum up there. In her long gown being pinned by the Governor General of Canada. I can relate, Moira. Um, Because the Queen couldn't make it that day. (laughs) So (laughs) the second fiddle had to do it. I I was going to say, I I can relate. Uh, When I was a teenager, my father received a certificate making him a uh, Kentucky Colonel. A Kentucky Colonel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very proud of that. And then I think that allowed him to get a catalog so he could buy bolo ties. And that was about oh, as much honor as he got from that. But oh, So, God. yes, we have something in common. Uh, parents who achieved great recognition from... Anyway, I'm... Well, no, no, that but, is true, but, but I'm it's teasing. True, and it, it's a great source of pride down through the generations yeah. as well. It really is. Oh, for sure. Because your, your daughter is also a creative well, journalistic yeah, she, type as well. But what she's doing now is very different from that. She became, an, with her husband, uh, an international photojournalist. Mm-hmm. That was her great dream and his great dream. And they did this in Asia for about eight or nine years. And uh, now she has gone back to school. And this surprised me at first because they, to, to me, their life was pretty exotic and exciting, this travel and the cameras and front page New York Times pictures and stuff. She's now getting her master's degree in social work. Oh, and really? And this shocked a lot of people when they heard that Christy was going into social work. But 
It, I think, came from those years of traveling in some of the poorest parts of places like India, seeing poverty that she had no way of ever even knowing existed. Mm-hmm. And she lived among this, she correct? Li- she was she lived, documenting this through her they photography. Were, they were both working. She was doing a lot of work for the International Herald Tribune as a photographer, mm-hmm. and he was a very major photojournalist for the New York Times. So they had opportunity to hunt for stories and a, a stake in finding stories that nobody else was finding. Kind of like you, Judd. <laughs> Find stories that looking no one else for, is Looking for the stories that I, need to be told. I do like stories. This is, this is true. And I like finding the stories that happen right here well, in Napa Valley. That's the point of this show, bringing the characters who are making stories and, and hear their story. And there are characters throughout this valley. You Isn't know? that true? Well, let's talk about you and your character. As wonderful as the All rest right. of your family is, and I know you talk about them, I brought you here to talk about you. All right. I <laughs> so haven't done it for a while, but I'm thrilled to be here. Let, let's do it. You really made your mark doing investigative... Journalism. Journalistic writing, correct? I did. Yeah, I did. And it was so absolutely alien to what my mother did. Mm-hmm. But I started with magazines rather than books. Yeah. And uh, the first one was up in uh, for the Geographic magazine. It was doing Napa Valley. Have you ever heard of that little valley called Napa Valley? So your first assignment with National Geographic was, was Napa, Napa Valley? Napa Valley. And you were coming from where to cover Napa Valley? I was living in San Francisco at the oh, time. Oh, you were? Okay, so not too far. But and I did the thing that no journalist photographer or writer should ever do, Uh-oh. you fell in love with your place, your your subject. The subject for me was Napa Valley. Mm-hmm. And writers aren't supposed to fall in love with anything that's part of their professional job. But I fell in love with this place. You have to be objective. Brought the children up yeah. from San Francisco for two years, and we the two best years maybe in all our lives together. We were a little threesome. Oh. I'd had a, a separation from a marriage mm-hmm. at that time. But to be able to, the privilege, really, of being having the National Geographic ask you to come up and do a valley that had never been in the Geographic before. And it was just, it was during that, what they called the boutique movement here, the early tiny wineries that were beginning. Give me the date. When, when, when are we talking Well, this about? was 1978. So I came up, okay. and I never really went home again Sorry. for long. I went back to San Francisco, but always with the dream of coming up here. And then one day, 10 years after I'd written the story in the Geographic on Napa Valley, mm-hmm. a magazine called me and just said, we'd like you to go up and report on Napa Valley to us 10 years <laughs> after what you told us in that story. Oh. And the reason I'm telling you this is that one of the first people I found that I really needed to interview was a man who was a doctor here. Yes. And I'd been told about him by a very dear friend of mine, Veronica DeRosa, and she said, oh, you've got to interview Dr. Block. We call him Lee. Well, it (laughs) turned out to be, I I don't know whether I can say this on family radio, but I hope I can. I found the love of my life. Wonderful. I think that's, why wouldn't you say that on family radio? That's that's a good family value love. Frankly, I think it it is. I love to say it. Yeah. But it may seem... I don't know, pretentious or whatever. Ah. I don't think it will embarrass anybody because anybody who knew us knew what had been given to me, really, by the privilege of walking to his office one day and saying, you know, he knew what I was there for, to interview him on, and especially to ask him the question, why does a busy doctor start something called a wine train? That's right. He was... uh, He was the co-founder of the wine train. And so we... I met him in the line of duty. But what was very amusing to me was because I had, um, we didn't have any doctors in the family, so I didn't know as much about doctors you do. And so I, I came into the office to start the interview with him, and his desk was sprawled with, I could just see by glancing at his his office desk. He had his nice white, white coat on and a great big smile. It was covered with National Geographic's um, New West magazines, uh, a couple of books I'd done. Oh, he, had, he, he was had, doing his research on you. He was doing his research on me. And, and the first question he asked is, as I came in the door and hadn't even seated, tell me, how do you, how do you get published? How do you write a book? And I said, well, doctor, I came to interview you. <laughs> right. But let's talk about that a bit. So about two hours later, after laying everything out to him that you it's good to do this, do that, do that, and we just, I'm afraid that uh, that was the end of it for us. We were together for the rest of his life, 25 years later. This is one of those moments... It was it's magic. a wonderful story, but I'm saying, right now in this studio is one of those moments when I do wish that Lauren's dream of having a webcam was in effect, because I would love for the listeners to have seen your face while you were telling that story. 
I mean, Gordon, did you see like her her eyes were sparkling, the big <laughs> smile. I think she even like kind of fiddled with her hair a little bit as she was talking. It was as if you were flirting with him all over again My when you told that story. White hair. Well, <laughs> but to me, it's just such a beautiful story. Yeah, it, it, it's the midlife dream, and in this mm-hmm. nation, as you know today, and I don't say this lightly because how many widows are there in this valley? I now know many of them. I've always known them, but. It's just a time when to age can be the best time in your life. And anybody who fears getting older, Mm. I'm living proof that they can be the best years of your life. Health helps. Friendships are what really make it. And a husband like Alvin Lee Block. But I lost my husband eight months ago, and he is sorely missed in this entire valley. And my family always said... He's the best thing that ever happened to our family. And they meant the dozens of members of my family, most of whom live in Canada still. But they loved and admired Alvin Lee Block. Well, he's a missed member of our community. His name he comes is, up indeed. often it still. Co- it comes up everywhere for me as well. He was so involved in the community in many yeah. different aspects. Um, we could go on and on, but uh, he is definitely missed. And he would want me to be sitting right here today because when he met me, the first thing he did really was to say, as I told you, how do you get to write a book? <laughs> he, he loved the act of writing. He admired writers. And he himself, because he'd created The Wine Train, he wanted to be published. Yeah. And he did, just a couple of years ago, publish a wonderful title. He, he thought it up. A, a Dragon is in the Valley. And by... Dragon in the Valley. He was referring to the controversy that had raged throughout the valley, especially up valley, from the minute the word of the wine train got out there. But it it did what any wonderful person does. They win through being who they are. They win people over to friendship and even to acceptance and respect. And that's what happened with the wine train. He was finally, the day we got on a car in the wine train, and just one car was invited by St. Helena Chamber of Commerce to mm-hmm. come up for a visit. And there had, they had been at war over this wine train oh, for all was... these years. So we were on that one train. And just to get down off the train that day and to see Lee's light up mm-hmm. as he saw one man, it looked like Ichabod Crane. It was a tall, tall, lean figure in a raincoat. And he was swirling his raincoat and running towards the tracks. And I had no idea whether he was going to assault us or what. But, you know, here come the troops. And it turned out to be the man who had most fought against the wine train. Oh, is that right? And they hugged each other. And it was it was one of the great events I witnessed in my long love affair and marriage and sharing lives together with Lee Block. That for him was a very special day as well. And in fact, it hasn't, the wine train has not destroyed the entire valley as was suspected by many, many people. But I admired that moment for, frankly, I admired St. Helena for turning out for it. They knew that they were doing, we hadn't destroyed the valley. We were bringing people to it introducing them to it. But it was one of those very happy endings to what had been a long, drawn-out, largely angry story. Yes, and I, I remember it vividly. I was a teenager in St. Helena at the time. You so do it was remember all, it. all around me, both sides. Yes, was, yes. And it got a little vicious here and there. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Were you on the very first dinner run of the wine train? We were. Oh, dear. Oh, well, I thought I was. No, no, no. <laughs> I'll I, have to go back. Well, it's a story I've told before when I had Chef Kelly McDonald actually on yeah, the show of yes. The Wine Train. And he's still I don't there. Know if it, yeah, he's wonderful. I don't know if it bears repeating, but it, it has to do with a group of um, hooligans oh. who decided to welcome The Wine Train on its first dinner run by running out to the tracks and perhaps turning with their backsides towards oh. the train and maybe... Oh. exposing certain rear ends to the writers. <laughs> and I'm not claiming any responsibility on this show. Maybe I did on a previous show. My but all I, I, well, it's what high school kids might yes. do, whether you you know were in favor of the wine trade or not. Well, here comes yeah. the first train in generations. We should welcome it in our yeah. you know high school boy way that high school <laughs> boys might. <laughs> but I have told that story. story. Actually, I was, I was on the 20th anniversary run several years ago Yes, uh, as one of the um, vintners. And, and I said, you know, that was then. And look, 20 years later, I'm an invited guest. <laughs> <laughs> so if you witnessed that on that first dinner run, 
please, yes. my sincere apologies. No, I, I would um, never forget that. After Believe telling me that beautiful, judge. touching story about the first run to St. Helena, I have to go spoil it with that. But I, I'm sorry that I missed it. It <laughs> okay. sounds like a lot of fun, actually. Oh, sure. But sure. It, was, it was youthful spirits. That's all it was. That's and all it was. We weren't making any political commentary. Youthful spirits. However, it, that, that's just small part of our life but it was it was that that was important to have happen so i but i'll never wait, forget which, your story the mooning or the no, reconciliation the reconciliation oh, okay. but that's the you know the adult view of it <laughs> to be a kid you did the right thing it's oh, a memory I, that uh i think a lot of people probably you know retain for their for years and years i mean in the words of uh i don't know if it was nigel tufnell you know said how, how can you how can you leave that behind? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> or even Andrew oh, Lloyd Webber, Memories, touché. Alone in the Moon. Yeah, Pretty well, yeah. fast humor Very good. in, in yeah. this room. My goodness. I feel from the best. That's you right. do well. <laughs> Thank you. This is radio. I love it. I love it. Well, no, you, you people have sense of humor as well as high intelligence, and we, that's a wonderful combo. We try. We try. Well, let's, should we talk about some of your writings? All right. Um, you certainly can. You know, um, beyond the articles, some books? Yeah. You said seven books. Seven books. So far. I know beginning out they were of the investigative sort. They were. There was... Um, and they always were a kind of investigative. You like uh, getting to the bottom of things. Yeah, I found that, um, see, m- amazingly, Mother couldn't have been more different, or I couldn't have been more different than her writing. Here we were, a mother and daughter, devoted to each other, and we did work together on a couple of books, where I, I had also thought dreamed at the age of 12 that I would be a, a fashion artist in New oh, York. And la in la. a very small way, I did actually become one. But at least I was had learned enough about drawing to illustrate several of her books. And so we did work together on the books. An artist, too. And, well, an artist was what I thought I really wanted to be. But having Mother around with these books coming out every year or two and beginning to be recognized, to see a mother who's worked so hard all her life really begin to be recognized by her nation, mm-hmm. not just her family. It's amazing. I can, I can yeah. only imagine how amazing that is. Well, the last celebration, real celebration we had was her 85th birthday up in Vancouver when she had yet another book out. And it's really something to have your mummy celebrated by all the literary of Vancouver and all the family on her 85th birthday. Wow. And that was her last publication date. I'm not there yet, but, <laughs> but I do have seven books largely <laughs> because of, of her writing, when you're born in a writing family. But she really taught me how to write. And one book we did together, which was called I'm Embarrassed by the Title. It's one of the world's worst. But I didn't think it up. Fig Leafing Through History. Fig? Co- co- well, fig Leafing Through History. Okay. To do with, you were talking yes, about I, your, the mooning incident. Yes, I think I well, get it. Fig leaves fig that usually cover up. Yeah. started the okay. whole business of, of uh, clothing. And so then the subtitle was The Dynamics of Dress. And in the the heat and the heart of the hippie revolution, Mm -hmm. I thought, dress is forging our politics, it is changing our lifestyle, it is, something's going on here. And so I got the idea of why don't we write a book for young people, the sort of, the young adult again, the 12 to 15, the high school or the junior high person, and talk about clothes. Why do people wear clothes? Who wore the first ones? And we spent about a year and a half together. My father had just retired, and she moved in with me in San Francisco with my dad. And we had the same old, big, big, long dining room table I still have. We sat for a year and a half at either end of the table. And we would both write. I would do all the research. She would do 90% of the writing. And then I did about, I don't know, 100 illustrations for it. But from mummy and daughter to work together on their first book. So you were a fashion artist. I was. Well, well sort of, but never a really good one. Well, that begs the question. So who who did start wearing clothes? Who went beyond the fig leaf? Well, uh, oh, God. Now, now you're, now you're oh, just really say, getting... Oh, just, just say go buy, right. the book. <laughs> go buy the book. Go buy the book. Go buy the book. Go buy the book. Well, if you can get a copy of it, yeah. Although it was sort of interesting. I, I love doing that book because I'd never had an opportunity to go to university. I'd been to quite a number of, of art schools. And with Mother, I was, you know, I was learning a lot. And, and what was I going to say to you? I'm not... Hold on. Something happening out here? Oh, oh there's just, it's the hallway. It's not all that uh, <laughs> soundproofed here at these lovely studios. They're... But anyway, when I started doing that, the, the writing, Fig Leafing Through History, again, it's sort of an embarrassing title, but we did that. 
And then there were a couple of others she wrote about her children. One was my sister's story, and one was my oldest of three brothers, and he was a jet pilot, a very glamorous guy, sort of a top gun type, wonderful, an aeronautical engineer as well. And so she decided, well, I got away with it with Moira, and so I'm going to um, uh, try another child. And so she did a book on Sheila, and Sheila came out and lived with her during that, that year, and we were balancing, you know, families and movements and so on. And then she did one about my brother. So was embarrassing for us in some ways, but it also, when I look back on them now, and I've actually reread them just recently, they were marvelous books. And But her children had to confide in mummy, and that's not easy. But we did. We all told her what we really felt and what had happened in our lives. must be a wonderful experience to be able to collaborate on something like that with your It really is. We do have to take a break. Okay. And we're going to talk more about your writings and other cool stuff that you're involved in. Before we get to it, uh, Gordon, do you have a tune? Would you like to do one of your tunes to sing us out may i just say i love gordon's music oh wonderful thanks. you too I, I, I lauren know. i was I, I i i don't feel like i can follow that uh that story Try. Oh, you want to come in after the break with a, a sure, tune i'd love to have we'll... a tune from gordon so we'll go to break we'll come back with a tune by gordon lustig we've got moira johnston or moira block or moira johnston block your pick <laughs> all three of them are here today take your joining pick. us thank you very much we'll be We'll be back with more of Judd's Napa Valley Show right after these messages. Judd's Napa Valley Show. Every episode, a veritable cornucopia of Finkel fun. At 1440 on your AM dial in Napa and streaming live in Foxborough, Massachusetts at KVON.com, we're back to Judd and Gorn Lustig. Foxborough. That's oh, right. you're celebrating the Super Bowl. Yes, I am, and I'm sure darn proud of it, Judd. Fantastic. You have a good time? Did you go out and hoot and holler and watch the game somewhere? I watched the game at home by myself. Oh, <laughs> did you hoot and holler at least? Well, I hoot and hollered, hollered for the Patriots. Fabulous. Well, then it turned out the way you wanted. It's a great game. Yes, it did. And Foxborough, as with any other city that has internet connection, can go to kvon.com and stream this show live or... Go to the iTunes store, the fabulous Apple iTunes store, and find our past episodes under Judd's Napa Valley Show in the podcast section. That's right. That's right. And go Patriots! Okay, Lauren Mole, you got your <laughs> your editorial content in. Ta-da! It's Gordon Lustig, our musical director here on the show, and his trusty ukulele. And we have as our guest, Moira Johnston. Moira Johnston Block, Moira Block. How do you prefer to be... I know you use them all. You write under the name Mo- Moira Johnston. Yeah. Your I married do. name is Moira Block, but I see it all, th- all three names together well, often. What do you prefer? The three together is, is best for me, but it's awfully unwieldy for others, I think. Oh, but I, as a professional radio announcer, I can say Moira Johnston, Moira Johnston Block. Block. Okay. But I, I think it's... I hope you know already. I think you couldn't avoid knowing that the Block part of my name is a very proud part of my Certainly. name. And I'm Moira Block now, okay. m- more than I'm Moira Johnston Block, because it is a little unwieldy, I admit that. But again, when, when it's your... You don't realize until you're a writer how important that byline is, the, the name that mm. appears on your work. And because you fight for it, and you, you have to work very, very hard to earn it, and then it's kind of nice to use it. But Moira, jo- Moira Johnston Block... It's what I am now. I'm well, Moira Johnston Block. Moira Johnston Block. And I, or Moira Block. And Moira Block may be good. I was doing a little research on you, and when I typed in the name Moira Johnston, I don't know if you're familiar. I am. You I know are. what you're going to say. Okay, go ahead. Uh, you want to tell the story? Well, I don't. it's not a story to me. I only heard about it about two weeks ago from a friend in Vancouver okay. who emailed and said, have you ever Googled your name? <laughs> yes. And it turns out to be a topless dancer in New York or something? Am I <laughs> well, right? she is a topless <laughs> That's who I thought we were interviewing today. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Hey now. Gentlemen, I'm sorry about that. No, I am not that. disappointed. Wait, th- this is not you? Okay. I didn't know anything about this woman. Yeah, she is Moira Johnson. She oh, is and a... And she spells it like me. Yes, exactly oh, like you. She is a topless activist. Apparently, she does work as a dancer, but she also goes out in public around New York City without her top on because <laughs> it is technically legal where anywhere that a man can appear without his top... So can a woman in New York. I didn't know that. And not many people do, and she is trying to get now, the word out. Where is this? Let me write this yeah, down. Uh, it's, it's, it's back east. It's a place called New York City, believe it or not. And New York being in New York, there's actually some video. It's, she's, there's a little oh, you know, black yes. bar, so you can't 
you know, see her unmentionables, but <laughs> she's walking around and hardly anybody even gives her a second glance because it's New York City That's and New York. they've That's seen funny. worse. <laughs> I've always heard there's a lot of boobs in New York. I, did, I never <laughs> took it literally. Okay, now there goes the family show. <laughs> okay. All right, enough. If you, can, <laughs> if you can make it there, heck, you can make it anywhere. <laughs> okay, so that is not you. Not me. Okay, Thank good you. to know. Let me check that off the list. Um, but it gave me a scare, let me tell you, <laughs> when I heard that if I write in my name, the first thing that's going to appear is this topless woman from New York. So, of course, I went into the website. Yeah, she's well-spoken. And she's she has pretty well-built, I think it's well safe spoken, to say. Well, okay, sure. So I don't think you need to be too embarrassed. <laughs> but let's talk about this uh, Moira Johnson, Moira Block. Let's talk about how you founded the the Friends of the Napa River. You... You are behind this whole movement, healing yeah. our local river, and how did that happen? What was the impetus? Well, I was very active in the founding, but I, I'm a co-founder, which okay, means well, that fair enough. the first, and it was 1994, I guess, when the first meeting was held. We had it. I live on, on a condo still, the same condo, on the Napa River. It's a little canal that comes off from the main branch of the river, mm-hmm. and I hadn't, Lee and I had not been married that long by then, maybe three or four years, but living on the water and having a little pontoon boat, which we had, and really beginning to live on the water with picnics with friends and going off in the twilight and just enjoying the river suddenly becomes like a a person to you. It becomes Mm -hmm. a character. And you fall in love with your river. I told you already that writers aren't supposed to fall in love with where they go to write. But nor, I guess, should they fall in love with their river. But how could you not? Now you've got a big heart. You're going to fall in love. Well, the river became very important to us. And it still is to me. I haven't moved, and I plan to stay there as long as I'm able to be there. So we had this meeting. For the first time, they, there had been a city, a sort of large meeting, to talk about the river out at the old fairgrounds. One of the buildings has just been torn down. And many, many things came up, and lists were drawn, and people gave their name, and are you interested, and so on. Just the the rudimentary beginnings of, of the uh, what would become Friends of the Napa River started there. But I then had a, a meeting at my home because I was too was beginning to fall in love with this river mm. and knowing very little about them, but having been raised on the Fraser River, it was about two miles from our home, yeah. but the mighty Fraser is what yeah. it's called in Canada, very arrogantly and proudly, but it was the <laughs> enemy. It was en- enemy number one in when I was in senior high school and we had the flood of 1948. No, actually, I wasn't that old. But 1948, all the all the, the dams were breached. Oh. And all of the Fraser Valley is one of the richest farming lands in all of mm. Canada. The entire thing, thousands of acres were flooded. And so that gave me my first test of living on a flooding river. But it never leaves you if you're a kid when that happens. And your father's out and your brothers are out with, with the, the, you know, the sand in the bags. And they're all working night and day to try to save our lives. But our, by lives, I mean we weren't going to be drowned because we, everybody was careful. Mm-hmm. But you had to paddle to school if you wanted to get to school. Oh, my goodness. And you, you very quickly learned what the power of a river is when it's out of control. Really and I guess I never really forgot that. And so when I got here in Napa Valley and was living on the river, Lee and I both decided in about two minutes perhaps or maybe a minute and a half because he had, as a bachelor, been living fairly close by. And we were shown this condo and we just never looked anywhere else again. And the river has been passion, one of the real passions in my life. I retired from active duty in 2003, 2003, but I'll I'll never not be part of the family of the Friends of the Napa River because we've been lucky enough to have great people come to this valley, and I'm sure you've interviewed, if not, you certainly should, but a man called Bernard Crevett. Who was, I haven't, but I know of him. He's a, he's a wonderful interview, yeah. and he's the one to whom I handed the delightful job of taking over from me, and he has been an extraordinary leader. What do the Friends of the Napa River do? Well, what they did was to drive forward the effort to create a meaningful flood control, pro- flood management project. And to do that, we had to get the commitment of the federal government to support us and to provide funding. We had to gain the trust and the cooperation, which was not easy, of the Corps of Engineers. And so putting it together was really largely a political job. Once that support came, and we we then re- recognized that we were ready to 
go to an election and there was going to have to be a countywide election, even though many of the people who would be called upon to vote or invited to vote had never seen the river, didn't really know we had a river, but it was a countywide effort. And I think the biggest job for anybody who was part of that of that movement, a whole gang of people, we had meetings over at the at the fairgrounds of up to 500 people. Oh my. But people didn't know there was something we could do about the flooding. They had just endured it. My dear late husband went on for one flood earlier because he came in 1960 as a doctor. He was paddled to work to a house call as a doctor during one of the floods. No kidding. And he's the only one I've ever met who really, through his profession, actually faced what a flood was. Amazing. And still did a house call. He did the house call. Yeah. And it was more than the roof still showing, thank <laughs> heaven. But I always thought that was one of the, f- the funnier but most amazing stories about Alvin Lee Bloch, is paddling his way to the next I hadn't stall. heard that. I love that. But that is, that is commitment to medicine, let me tell you. <laughs> and so he was very encouraging when I recognized that I was living in a river that was very sick. And he was a doctor and he could heal people. But I didn't know how to heal a river, and here it was now our backyard. It was our front door, back door. It became a very important part of our life. And it didn't take long, really, to to galvanize the people of Napa to vote for it. And we had a vote in 1998 on, I've forgotten the precise date, April 28th, 29th. I had to become a citizen of this country. I was Canadian, and I also had an Irish citizenship, but not, oh. not a passport. And I several months before the election, managed to go in, memorize just enough to get through and come home as a, and go to the, the one of the city council meetings the day after. I couldn't resist it. And when it came to comment time, I said, yes, I have just a couple of words. I'm an American. I can vote on <laughs> April 28th. And everybody cheered and clapped. Moira was now, she could vote for this thing she was working for. What a scene. That's amazing. The river's path led you to be an American. It did indeed. But you can maintain both. You can maintain both a Canadian and an American Mm -hmm. citizenship. But I haven't used the Canadian for many years because the world welcomes Americans in any airport I've ever been in. And so that was sort of an, an interesting part of getting involved in the river project. And Lee was very generous about it because... I was still writing books and trying to meet deadlines, but the meetings of the friends became really all-consuming, and we formed something called the um, the county coalition. Commun- what is it now? The community? Co- oh God, I've forgotten the name for a moment. Community coalition, mm-hmm. and this brought together factors of every every part of our culture throughout the Napa Valley. There was hardly a profession or a job or a, a ed- educational aspect that wasn't included in, in the 25 people who formed that coalition. And life was very exciting during those yeah. battles. We did finally win over the Corps. And Mike Thompson was incredibly helpful because he was then in the state level, but he fought the good battle for us. And one of the snapshots I have is of us being on my patio with the river in the background, or the canal of the river in the background, and Mike Thompson is flanked by senior officers in the Corps of Engineers and some of the Friends members, yeah. and they have, they're holding up a mock-up of a check for $1 million <laughs> that was about 10 feet long and about checks, six yeah. feet tall. But that was a great day. And then there were endless trips taken in these party barges. A couple of us had them. And we became the, um, I used to call it uh, politics by party barge <laughs> because most of the, it was a political effort. That was what, what had to be won. And so politics by party barge meant that there was scarcely ever a distinguished member of the Corps of Engineers yeah. and, and high-ranking who didn't get taken out on the river and who wasn't eager to go. So we, we, we just uh, forged a, a, what would you call it, a very happy, friendly, positive war on those who didn't want this to happen. Yeah, well, you do good work. And on I should say on behalf of the community, I'll say thank you. You know, we had this horrendous rainstorm, uh, I don't know, six weeks, know. two months ago. More rain that's been dumped in I a 24-hour period than anyone can recollect. And Judd, do you know... And we didn't flood. I go out whenever there's a cloud or rain now. I still slide open the doors to the patio, mm-hmm. and I simply walk out. Yeah. And being alone is is wonderful. And I just look at this river, and I say, no, it's not going to flood, because we've now had several heavy, heavy rainfalls and flooding situations in which the project has held. Yeah. It's yeah. held. And it still has a little bit more to go, but they're on the, the closing part of it, the bypass, which is going to enable the whole community to become part of enjoying the river more than they now can. Well, thank you very much. You You're do, very welcome. You've done great work. You do great work. And what 
what should we expect next? Because I know you're not just going to sit well, around on your laurels. What's what's happening well, now? But I, what I would love the people who listen to this to understand is that there's nothing like a, a community that really works together. And even though I do get some of the credit, I was the founding president of it, and I'm very proud of that. But it was it, without... The, the entire community, every faction. There was no category that didn't buy into it by the time we were out yeah. campaigning for it. This was something the Valley did, and it's been immeasurably useful, I think, in pre- preventing damage, preventing cost, preventing loss of life, etc. So what do I do now? I try to write another book. I'll be very happy if I get one more finished. But I may not write it at all like a real book book, Hmm. hardcovers and so on, because I have a very sophisticated son who lives in London, and he's a great reader, and he's always letting mommy know, mom, know what he thinks I should direct myself towards. And I've been working on this Veronica de Rosa book now for off and on for about 15 years. And her tragic death was something... She was a great artist and a friend of yours. She was my best friend from the age of 18 from Vancouver. We met up there. Oh, I didn't realize it went that far back. We went to art school together out there. And so this is the this is the book that tells a lot of her story, and most of it is inspired by the, the trip we shared just months before she died of going up to what they call, the Haida call their natives of northwest coast uh, British Columbia. And there on the map you find Queen Charlotte Islands. But to all of us who know the Haida and to the Haida themselves, it's been eternally called Haida Gwaii. Mm. And so because my mother had written many of her books about that, and I also got caught up in that. And I think one of the things I, well, I've been asked by my agent in New York to do, take one final trip up to Haida Gwaii and come back and really tell us about it. And I, I think that would be a, f- a fabulous thing to do. What an amazing trip. I will look forward oh. to reading your account. That, that sounds wonderful. I do have to ask you, you know, you are a celebrated, award-winning, renowned, international author, artist, community leader. And I know something that many people have wanted me to ask you in this forum is, do you go nuts for donuts? <laughs> oh, God. Well, I guess I could. <laughs> oh, there we go. Oh, John. Nice what a sense of humor. Box. We're going to move a little quickly. So All right. We things we want to do, but can't rip this open. But there's a selection of, there's a selection of donuts there. Would you uh, select one of those donuts, if you would? Oh, oh my gosh. <clears throat> All right, so I just grab one. Yeah. Please, I, help yourself. I will. And, May okay. I offer them to others? Uh, yeah, take the one you want first. I've got one. Okay, you've got this beautiful crumb donut. I love it. Now, with your investigative journalist background, yes. tell me uh, the brief, like, one-minute story. Expose that donut. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm helpless. It shrunk. It was really going to be a life preserver for yeah. some of these plane crashes we've seen lately. And it shrunk. Somehow it shrunk. There's a, it has its own spirit inside, I think, and it's... Uh, it doesn't want to be involved in anything wet. No, we need to get it would not. It would not fare well if it were anything wet around it. It could be eaten, of course. Yeah, maybe a cup of coffee wet. A cup of coffee yeah. might. Okay, enjoy that crumb donut. Now it's time to play everyone's favorite party game here on Judd's <laughs> oh, Napa dear. Valley Show. Oh. This is Madeline. That's right. You, <laughs> as the celebrated author that you oh. are, will be very good at filling in the parts of speech. And we're just going to go through this. We're getting short on time. Oh, so dear. I know that you... Uh, oh, if I'd known we'll this, this I'm not sure go. I would have been so happy. Moira, you know how this coming. works, Moira. We need a geographic location. All right. Yes. I think back to where I want to go back, to a place magical to me, and it would be Sugar Fields of Cuba. Ooh, the Sugar Ooh. Fields of Cuba. Yes. I was there in the millennium in 2000 with... Eight wonderful friends, most of whom live here, and I want to go back. Sounds lovely. I need an adjective. Oh, well, some little adjective. Yeah. Could be pretty, but maybe pretty something like super califragilistic <laughs> expl- I think I know where you're going. Okay. Diadosis? Super califragilistic expialidosis. That's how you spell that. A plural noun. Is it long enough? It may be um, too short. If you can think of something longer, we can come back. All right. Uh, a plural noun. Oh, what what is what is two inches from my nose? It's a microphone. Microphone. And again, I never met one I didn't love. You're very interviews good at dealing are fun. With them. Well, you're magnificent at, at the other side of your microphone. Well, and, well, especially if we have microphone flags, <laughs> which well, we don't have. Well done. All right, no editorial comment. We All need right. to get through All this. Right, we do. Uh, plural noun. Plural noun. Okay, okay. Something that means a lot to me currently. Yes. Because they're good and cozy and warm and wonderful, and they make my winter, this fierce winter in Napa Valley, a pleasure. And that would be Patagonia parkas. Patagonia 
parkas. Now, I know Perfect. that sounds like a pitch, but Perhaps. actually Patagonia is a place, too. <clears throat> yes. You'd be warm even in Patagonia. Certainly. How about a job title? Any? Well, the worst one happened when the Fraser River flooded and I went and volunteered and only the girls were assigned to an incredibly interesting job. Oh, no. Latrine cleaning. Oh, Sorry. Oh, gee. Okay, so uh, job title <laughs> as a latrine cleaner. Okay. How about a year, any year? All right, I'll go for the easy one. I don't care who knows how old I am. 1934. Gotcha. 1934. I won't ask why you came up with that. How about a number, <laughs> any number, any number? Oh. Any number. I could do billions of numbers. What about, sure. what about tw- 12 billion? 12 billion. That's a great number. And finally, and Bo- add... 12 oh. billion bottles of fine Napa Valley wine. Ooh, that'd be good. I don't think my cellar can hold quite that many, (laughs) but we could try. How about an adjective? All right. We're looking around this room. It has to be only, can only be one thing. What's that? It's an adjective. Radio loving. Radio loving. I love radios. Okay. Here we go. Moira, in doing research. That was terrifying. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I don't want to scare you. This is going to be fun. I loved it. In doing a little research on today's show, I dug yes. up a little bit of biographical information about you, oh. which you have now just rewritten via this Mad Libs game. Are you ready to go? Yeah. Here we go. <clears throat> Here we go. <laughs> oh, Born and raised in the sugar fields of Cuba, Johnston lived for 10 years in New York City, where she worked as a supercalifragilistic, expialidocious fashion artist. She renovated microphones in Greenwich Village. And worked for improvement of the urban quality of Patagonian parkas through the Park Association of New York. <laughs> Again, thank you on behalf of New Yorkers' uh, parkas. Um, oh, dear. As latrine cleaner of Friends of the Napa River. (laughs) Lovely. Yeah. She is an active environmentalist who worked at the heart of (laughs) Napa's nationally acclaimed Living River Flood and River Restoration Project of 1934. (laughs) Again, thank you on behalf of the Where's my lawyer? Yeah. The Napa River continues to be one of her greatest interests and prides. As 12 billion years since the founding of Friends of the Napa River, she sees in 2015... Oh, this is kind of nice. The radio-loving stages of the Napa River Flood Project coming to completion. I want to thank you very much for being here. Before we say goodbye to you, I'm going to look over at Gordon Lustig, who has been furiously scribbling. Uh, Gordon, are we? (coughs) Well, you know, it's always a work in progress. Right. No rehearsal. No rehearsal. It's right in the theme song. There Are you, you ready well, without rehearsal? Um, you know, it's where it's at. I'd vamp, but I'm out of time because to I'm, vamp. I'm, it's either I'm, net, as uh, I think I'm Elvis said. I'm with a writer, so you know you're always, you're always tweaking. So here's what I have so far. I'm waiting, okay? I'm waiting. Um, Moira's River, she gave her sweat and blood, <laughs> faced the raging flood with glee. The town rocked her, but with her beloved doctor inspired the people especially lee two uplifters known and loved by all no deed was too small to do we're glad you came and to help the river be tame Moira's River, thank you. I'm weeping, you know that. Oh, well. Thank you. That's (laughs) the most wonderful gesture, (laughs) tribute I've ever had in my life. Thank you. It was great. Amazing to hear you. And everybody out there who knows me knows that I am indeed weeping at the moment. Uh, Thank you. Sure. I'm weeping out of beauty and pleasure and humor. Thank you. What a wonderful, wonderful time with you guys. Moira, thank you for being here today, and thank you for everything you do for our community. Thank you. Thank you. And this is Lorne Mall speaking for Judd's Napa Valley Show, a Gil Lamar production. Judd's Napa Valley Show.